So we spent the first uh, five weeks of 2018 talking about prayer because we feel like prayer is very foundational to church life, to our walk with God and, and to the health of the church. And so we spent five weeks talking about prayer. We're starting a new series this morning um, just entitled Seven Core Values. Uh, we'll spend the next seven weeks talking about our core values. And let me explain a little bit of where this came from. So back in December, uh, the first weekend of December, our leadership team gathered together for three full days, for a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday afternoon in something called the Stratop process. And in that Stratop process, we did a couple of things. We did a lot of things, but, but we looked backward at the life, at the history of the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. And, and as we looked backward, we, we saw a rich history. We saw some really good things that, that have happened in the history of the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. And as we looked back, we also saw there were some challenges that we experienced as the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. And, and in that, we noticed there were some trends. There, and one of the trends that, that, we, that we saw was this oscillating out and in. There were seasons in the life of the Fairlawn Mennonite Church where, where we went beyond the walls, where we impacted our communities. And in the 50s, you know, our church impacted the Amish community, and lots of people came to faith uh, because we were go because our people were going out. And there were seasons when we oscillated in and we were, we, we were more internally focused. And then we, in the 90s, we saw us oscillating out again and, and getting into our community and, and, and impacting the community as we shared the gospel. And, and then we've oscillated back in. And even going into this weekend in December, as leaders team, we realized that it's going to be very important for us in this next season to oscillate out, to go beyond our walls and and to share the gospel in our community and around the world. The Stratop process also did a few other things. It it, it helped us to to understand and discover our weaknesses. It helped us to discover our strengths and and helped us to to learn how to or or, or we we how we address our weaknesses, how we capitalize on our strengths and how we prioritize ministries. And out of it came um, some key initiatives that we're going to be working on over the next several years. Um, you know, we realized as we looked at, at the whole of our structure that, that we were lacking in, in administrative staffing. And so we're going to be looking at how can we add additional staffing and restructure responsibilities so we can be most effective and, and how can we reach our community. So we're looking at new strategies of evangelism and how we impact our community. And, and we'll be talking about that over the next six months and, and an assimilation strategy. In other words, how do we help you get pl- people get plugged into the Fairlawn Mennonite Church from, from the first time you come how do we help to get you plugged into the life of the church, into adult Bible fellowships, and into smaller communities? And ultimately, how will you be used to advance the gospel? And how do you go from being an attendee to being a fully committed follower of Christ that, that buys into the vision of what we do? And we're going to look at how we do that better, how we intentionally plug people in. 
We're going to be addressing our space issue because we realize our, our children's ministry area is full. We have 100 kids some Sunday mornings, and a couple weeks ago, it just in our infant nursery, I think we had 17 or 18 infants, and so that area is full. So we're going to be addressing our space issues over the next year. One of the things that we felt was a priority from the beginning was, was sharpening our vision and values. And so over the last two months, we've been working on refining our core values and, and, and what that means for us. And so you ask the question, well, well, what is a core value? and Why is it important? Well, a core value is it's the things that are most important to our church, to, to the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. And, and every church has a unique set of gifts and abilities. Just like individuals have giftings and abilities, churches, I think, have as a whole, have certain giftings and abilities. And, and, and churches have different values. And so, so as we look at these values over the next seven weeks, you know, it's not that our values are better than other churches' values are. It's just our values are different. But our values are what drive us. Our values is what helps us to sharpen our vision and what we do. And so, so they are the truths that direct and drive everything that we do. They are the motivators that, that give us the reasons why we do the things that we do, but they're also restrictive. They help us to set boundaries around what we won't do. Because there's a hundred things we could get involved in on a daily basis as a church, and yet um, we can't do them all. So we have to ask, what, what is most important to the Fairlawn Mennonite Church? And, and we write up these values, and, and, and we filter everything we do through these set of values that we hold um, very highly. They're those things that we deem important and that provide direction and guidance in spite of our emotion because, you know, we, we can get caught up, you know, with the latest book. And so I remember early in my ministry in, in the early 90s, I'd go to a conference and then we would be a small group church. And I'd go to another conference and we would do this. And, and you know, the next book came out and we would do this. And, and it was very emotionally driven. Or when you have a set of core values that you live by, then emotion doesn't play into the things that you do and you don't do. You're driven by your values. They are the thing that, that keeps us focused on the path that God has called the Fairlawn Mennonite Church too. And we understand these values that, that we have. Um, they're steps in a journey that we're taking. You know, they're, they're not a destination. It, it's important that we understand that, that we will continually work to become more effective in these seven values that we hold. We'll continue to get better. And another thing as, as we go through this, and you'll understand as we begin to go through this, we have idealized values and we have realized values. You know, idealized values are, are things that we realize are important. For instance, we would all agree that evangelism is really important. It's one of our core values is, is gospel-motivated mission. So we, we think that, that evangelism is, is one of our core values. 
And it's, it's really important. But when you look at our adult conversions, and you look at how many people are actually sharing their faith, this core value is more of an idealized core value. And, and when we took the survey back before the, the strata process, uh, many of you took the, the, the survey, you recognized as a church, as individuals, you recognized that, that evangelism is really, really important. In fact, a majority of you would have said evangelism is really important for the church, for you as an individual. But on the other hand, you also said that we're not very good at it. Because the survey told us that only about 20% of you are engaged in evangelism, are actually sharing your faith with people who need Christ. And so, so yes, it is a core value, but it is, it is an idealized core value. It's something that, that we need to be working on as a church. A realized value are things that we are already doing, and, and we're doing them pretty well. And, and this morning, as we, as we begin to focus on um, on gospel-focused teaching, on, on the Word of God. I believe that, that this is more of a realized value that we have because we put a lot of emphasis on preaching the Word of God. We put a lot of emphasis on teaching the Word of God in all aspects of the church. Now, we need to continue to become better at that, to become more effective at that. And one of the interesting things on this survey that we took was that those ages 40 and under, although 99% of, of the sur people surveyed said that the Bible was the authority of God, it was, it was very, very important that it was the inerrant, authoritative, true word of God, 99%. That's a really high number. But of those who did the survey that were 41 years and older, 63% said that they read their Bible at least two to three times a week. So almost 40% of those 40 and older read their Bible maybe two or three times a month. Those 40 and under, only about 50% said that they read their Bible at least two to three times a week. And so about half of those under 40 read their Bibles maybe three times a month. And so although you, you, we say that the Bible is important to us, and, and we would all say, we value as individuals the Word of God. But for many of us, it's an idealized value because it's not really that important. Or at least the, 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 the living it out isn't that important. So we want, what I would love to see is, is us getting to the point where when we take that survey next year, that 75% of us would be engaging in the Bible two to three times a week on a regular basis as we make the Word of God more and more important as a church. So we're, today we're going to focus on this gospel-focused teaching. 
I'd say this is a realized value. And if, if you've been with us any amount of time, you, you, you recognize that, that most of our preaching is done in an expository way. In other words, we take a book of the Bible and we work through it. Now, it doesn't mean that that is the only way to preach. It's just the way that we have chosen because of this value of gospel-focused preaching. It's the strategy that we're using to teach the Word of God. And I thought it was, this was a, a, a good way. First of all, this is, a founda- this is foundational to everything we do. But Levi Hirschberger, who... Um, who passed away yesterday. He was, he was our pastor for 17 years. And Levi taught me what it meant to love the Scriptures, to do expository preaching. He taught me what it meant to, to do gospel-focused teaching. He taught the Word of God book by book by book. And I learned from him to love the Scriptures. And I learned a lot about God's Word from him. Now, here's the thing. You know, when I was young and you know, 18, 19 years old, I didn't always appreciate what Levi was doing. But as I got older and as I got into ministry, I realized that what he was doing, he was, he was being very intentional about, he, about how he taught us the word of God he laid a foundation for us for me for how I preach today so when I say gospel focused preaching what does it mean and why do we think it's important well gospel literally means good news And we find this word gospel or good news over 90 times in the New Testament, depending on your translation. And the Greek word actually means evangelist. So the gospel is, broadly speaking, it's the whole of Scripture. It's this book. But more narrowly, the gospel is the good news concerning Christ and the way to salvation. It's what Paul says in Romans when he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is the Bible, the whole of the Bible, but more narrowly, the gospel is the good news. It is the power of God that brings salvation to the lost. So why is it important? Let's stress the whole of Scripture first. Why do we believe that this gospel-focused preaching is important? 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to Timothy, says, as he's giving him final instructions in his ministry, he says, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that... The man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, because God, this, this word is God-breathed, Timothy, because it's authoritative, this is the place where we get absolute truth from. 
in a world that, that, that is, that, that, uh, where relative truth is, is dominant, we must go to the Word of God because this is where absolute truth is found. And Paul tells Timothy, use this Word to teach and to train. Use this Word, Timothy, to correct and to rebuke. Now remember, Paul is writing to Timothy and the only word, the scriptures that Timothy has is the Old Testament. So Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, use the Old Testament to train and to teach, to prepare God's people to be equipped for good work. We use this word to train people up. This is where we have to go. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says this word, the word of God is, is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, it's not my words that change people. It is the Word of God through the Holy Spirit that changes people, that Hebrews says that, that, that is like a double-edged sword that penetrates, divides the Spirit. It's what changes us. So we use the Word of God to equip God's people for works of service. And it is the filter through which we look at everything. And that's why this, this, this value, this value of gospel-focused teaching, I believe is foundational for all of the others. Now, the, the values are foundational for everything we do, but, but if there's one that is, that is most important, it is gospel-focused teaching. Because everything we do should come, should be filtered through this word. So it will be the focus in all areas of our teaching. So when you go into our children's ministry on Sunday mornings, what you will find is that, that from, from kindergarten through fifth grade, six years, they go through the Bible two times at age-appropriate levels, and, and they learn the big stories of the Bible. They get a big picture of God's Word and, and where things fit. And then why do we do that? Because we believe that gospel-focused teaching is a core value. When they get to junior high, they focus on the epistles, and they, they, they see the gospel in the epistles. And they do a lot of junior high is saturated with Bible teaching. Why? Because it is the Word of God. It is what corrects and rebukes. It is what teaches and prepares because it's a core value. Why, when you go into our youth ministry, do you see them spending a lot of time studying the Word and learning how to evangelize and looking at, at how Jesus did evangelism? Why is it so important? Why is it a priority? Because we believe that 
gospel-focused teaching is a core value. It's the foundation of what we do. And when we preach the Word of God and we, we ask you to turn to the Word of God, it's because we believe that the Bible is foundation. Now, it's sort of ironic that I'm, I'm teaching about gospel-focused teaching, but, but we're not using much of the Bible this morning. I see Feline looking at me, and she always corrects me when I... That's all right. We're laying a foundation this morning for the rest of this series. The gospel is the good news. But what we have to understand when we also when we talk about the gospel is that the, the, the big story of the Bible revolves around... Christ and the gospel. We see Jesus throughout, from Genesis to Revelation, we see Jesus. So when we talk about gospel-focused teaching, it is the Word of God, and in the Word of God, we see Jesus in every book. You know, um, Sally Lloyd-Jones wrote Jesus' storybook Bible, the Jesus' storybook Bible, and she has this really interesting Little, um, little quote in their introduction to, uh, to this Bible. And here's what she says. Now, some people think that the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. Some of you grow up with that, with the Bible being a rule book, the do's and don'ts of, of good living. Now, the certain, and she says the Bible certainly does have rules in it. They show us how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what He has done. Other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people that you should copy. Now, the Bible does have some heroes in it, but you soon find out that most of these people really aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes. They do some really dumb stuff. They get afraid. They run away. Some of them are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book about heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It is an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. It's like, most wonder, like the most wonderful fairy tales that have ever come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is that it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell the story. And at the center of the story, there's this baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. He's like the missing piece to the puzzle, the piece that makes all of the others fit together. And suddenly you see a beautiful picture. The big story of the Bible revolves around Christ and the gospel. And we can break it down like this. Creation, fall, 
redemption and restoration. You see, the beauty of this book is that it's not just a history book. It's not just accounts of what's happened for over the last 6,000 years. The beauty of this book is that in every chapter of every book, it's pointing forward in the Old Testament to Christ. It points backward to Christ in the New Testament, but every book in the Bible is about one man. And that man is Jesus Christ. And that's why this book is where we must go for all of our truth. You see, gospel-centered preaching is necessary because it focuses on the entire Bible and it points us towards Christ when we read it and when we preach it. It, it, it emphasizes the supremacy of Christ. You know, Paul wrote in Colossians, he said, for by him, Christ, all things were created. So when you read the creation account, he was there. It says, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. So Paul talks about the beauty and supremacy of Christ and how he was from the beginning. He was the orchestrator of creation. Remember when Jesus, after he resurrected was walking along the road to Emmaus and he ran into some guys. And they were talking to him about this thing that had happened about um, three, day, uh, uh, three days earlier when, or sometime earlier when, when, when their Jesus was, was hung on a cross and, and they were talking about him and then Jesus, they didn't recognize him because the Bible says their eyes were blinded, but it says, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. He says, beginning with Moses and the prophets... It's what we call the Old Testament. He interpreted to them all scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so what Jesus was saying, look, look guys, when you look at, at Moses and the prophets, when you look at them, if you look closely enough, you will find me there. Gospel-focused teaching is about reading God's Word and seeing Jesus in His Word. Every single passage in the Old and New Testament ultimately is about Christ. And so as we teach here at Fairlawn from this pulpit, it is always our goal to preach the gospel. It is always our goal, it must always be our goal to, as we preach the whole of gospel, of the gospel, that we point you to Jesus Christ. That is what we must do because we believe. First of all, we do it because it's what God's word tells us to do. He said, all scripture is God-breathed, Old and New Testament. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness. So we must preach the word of God. Let me close with this, with this quote from a guy named Brian Chappelle. He says this, he says, and he's talking about preaching. He says, when my listeners walk out the doors of the sanctuary to perform God's will, with whom, they do, with, whom, with whom do they walk? So when you walk out of here this morning, with whom will you walk? He says, if they march to, the, into the battle, to battle the world, the flesh and the devil, with only me, myself, and I, then each parades to despair. However, he says, if the sermon has led all persons within sight of the Savior, and they now walk into the world with his hand firmly in their grasp, then hope and victory brighten the horizon. Whether people depart alone or with the Savior's hand will mark the difference between futility and faith, legalism and true obedience, moralism and real godliness. So it is, it is our responsibility when we preach, when we teach, to when you walk out of here, we haven't just given you a history lesson or we haven't just given you a theological exposition about things we know. Our primary responsibility is when we preach the word is to point you to Jesus. Because when we point you to Jesus, then you walk with him. You are empowered by him to go into all the world. So it is our commitment to you to on a regular basis, whether it is here in the sanctuary when we preach the message or it is in children's ministry when they teach the big stories of the Bible or in junior high or youth ministry or in the adult Bible fellowships, that through our teaching, we are pointing you to Jesus through the gospel because he is the gospel. And the reason that we do that or that we're committed to that is because we believe at the core of everything we do is gospel-focused teaching. And the reason we will do expository preaching and take you through the Bible and stay focused on the Bible is because we believe it's a core value. It's foundational in all that we do. And we want you to hold us accountable in that. Now, one thing I, I want to caution us on is that as we read Scripture, we're not always going to agree on everything. And you know what? That's okay. Let's not get caught up in the things that, as I've said before, on the things that we can't know. Let's walk together in the things that we can do, wrestle as brothers and sisters in Christ, with the things that we need to try to understand better. But let's not make that our focus. Let's make the focus the gospel. Let's make Jesus the focus of the gospels. Pray with me. Father, as we um, 
First of all, we, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for this gospel. We thank you that in this Word we see our Savior. We see the good news. But even through the hard events of the Old Testament, we see it pointing forward to the good news of Jesus Christ. As we teach the word here, as we teach each other, may our commitment be to the gospel, to teaching it, to reading it, to understanding it, ultimately to live it. As we go from here today, I pray that we would walk with you allow you to lead us. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. I hope you have a a good week. Uh, Enjoy this uh, winter wonderland.